Well, I would like us all to welcome our guest speaker for this morning. He, we were lucky enough to have him as part of our uh, plenary session speakers for the Umbrella Conference. His name is Jason's, Jason Haig, and here is to sh- he is here to share with us and tell us his story and something he calls aching joy. But first, I'd like to pray for, for him. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful past two days where we've had the opportunity to grow and learn with others who are impacted by disability. Thank you for Jason, for his words as well. Now as he shares with us, may his words be accompanied by the power of your spirit, and may his words speak to each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Pastor Corrine. Good morning. Bring you greetings from uh, the Eugene, Oregon area in the States. How many of you guys know where Oregon is? Okay, most people, they're like, well, where is that? And it's close to California. Oh, okay, we know California. Uh, I, am, uh, I am one of the pastors at a church called Christ Center Church, so I feel some affinity here. I saw Christ in the center out there in big letters. I thought, I feel like I'm home. And that's good because I need to feel like I'm home because I've never had to have a screen that big behind. My head is already really large, and so I'm a little bit... I need to feel a little bit at home there because that's kind of intimidating. (laughs) Um, It was a wonderful weekend, and I'm so honored to be with you guys. I want to thank you as a congregation for leading the way in so many ways uh, uh, with uh, special needs ministry. Um, We've talked a lot about inclusive uh, ministry uh, this weekend, so I want to bring a little bit of that into uh, my talk this morning. I want to start with Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I believe this is a mandate for us as the body of Christ. It's one in my experience that sometimes we as a church aren't real great at this. Uh, We like the rejoicing, that's cool, but the weeping with those who weep gets a little awkward and sometimes we don't know how to do it. Um, And and that makes even the rejoicing a little bit more anemic. And uh, so I want to talk about that I want to talk about uh, what I call the way of aching joy. It's my story. Uh, I actually chronicled this whole, uh, this book is uh, in the bookstore. I wrote this last year. It's called Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. Um, and it's, it's my story about my son, um, who I will tell you about now. But I will start by saying this. I grew up in the American South. I grew up in Tyler, Texas, a place that has less than a quarter million people but has 500 churches. <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot. I mean, they call it the buckle of the Bible belts, right? And, uh, and I, but I, for me, it was like even more because my parents were in full-time ministry. They worked with Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar. And uh, so I, I grew up uh, uh, having parents who loved me, who told me they, they were proud of me all the time. Even my teachers were missionaries, and they loved Jesus, and they supported me. I, I didn't really have any acquaintance with crisis. Uh, I had never lost anybody. I, I didn't really have any hardship. Like, I had it pretty good. And, uh, and that led to sort of an expectation that things were always going to be good and easy. And they were at first. I, I, I grew up, I, I married a beautiful girl who was also a, a daughter of, of her, her parents were in ministry as well. And, and we had two daughters and, and we, everything was great. They were healthy. And then my son Jack came along. And I had big visions for my life with my first son. 
I'm a big sports fan, so I always, you know, envision we're going to play football in the backyard, and, and, uh, and I, I love talking theology, and that was part of it. We'd sip coffee and play chess and talk theology, and all of these things, and for the first year, it absolutely looked like that was going to be the way our life was, but something happened. I want to show you two videos. The first one here is when he was about one year old, learning to walk. All the engagement, the laughter, that squeak, looking in the eyes, having fun, uh, didn't stay that way. This next video is from uh, a few years later. Did you lose a tooth? Hey, show daddy. Show daddy. You pulled out a tooth. <gasps> Whoa. Is it right there? Tooth. Is your tooth gone? <gasps> Did you pull out your tooth? Hey, Jack. Hey. <laughs> hey. Can you wave bye-bye? To this day, those two videos are hard for me to see back to back. He was diagnosed with autism at age three. He lost all of his vocabulary. He lost uh, all, all of his, you know, his relational connection with us. It was, it was all gone. And uh, I would like to say that because I was raised in such a godly environment, I knew how to face it and stare it down and attack it, but I didn't. I, I fell apart. I had lots of ugly feelings. I was disappointed. I was angry at God. I was scared, scared to death about what my future might look like. And I know this is a common thing. It's not just for special needs parents, but all of us have battles we face and expectations are shattered. And then we say, what now? What do I do with all of this? And uh, sometimes in, in, you know, in my experiences in the church, sometimes we're real good at facing that. But other times, when we see someone who's hurting, our instinct is to fix that hurt. And so we'll come and say things. And we're like, what do I say now? And so we'll reach for something we've heard. Uh, uh, something like, uh, God never gives you anything you can't handle. <laughs> I want to tell you, that's not actually in the Bible. That's a really poor remix of something that's in the Bible. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 says that no temptation has overcome us, right? He's always going to give a way out. It says nothing of pain and crisis. He's not talking about that. And the fact is, there are many things in this world that are too big for us to handle. If you don't believe me, just go to your local rehab center and visit and hear the stories. Why is addiction such a major, major issue in our society? It's because we've experienced things that are too hard for us to handle. And so what do we do? We run to, to medicate that pain. We try to run away from it. When people hear God never gives you anything you can't handle, they think, so I should just be able to take this? Because uh, I can't. And I'm really overwhelmed. And now I feel even more overwhelmed. And now I feel like a bigger failure because I don't know how to take this. The fact is, friends, we were never, ever meant to face these things alone. Some things are just too big for us. We need Jesus really, really badly. And not just when we get saved. Like, we continue to need Jesus really, really badly. You can't do this thing on your own. Well, 
I, uh, I eventually, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I tried to play, I, I, I tried to pretend I didn't have those feelings and just not talk to God about it, you know? Like sort of, I gave God the silent treatment. You guys ever tried that? As if that was going to like make sure that he didn't see the things that were really there. Um, I, it reminds me of when I was, or when my daughters were little, they used to call me from the living room and say, Daddy, come find us. So I would walk in, I'm like, and immediately I see a blanket on the floor with two lumps in the middle, you know. <laughs> and so I'm like, huh, where could my girls be? Are they in the refrigerator? No, they're not there. Are they in the oven? No, I don't know. Let me just sit down on this blanket and think about it, you know. That, if you don't mind me saying, that I think is how silly we look to God when we try to hide our feelings from him. <laughs> he already sees them. Well, I hid for a while and I finally came to a place when they all boiled over. I couldn't, I couldn't hold back and, and I, I went out to the beach and I prayed angry prayers. I, I prayed my own psalms of lament. Psalms of lament are interesting. They're all throughout scripture. Uh, in fact, there are more psalms of lament than there are psalms of praise, which I think is fascinating. Uh, David, he, he just, he, well, look at Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself for my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of my enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. David is mad. He's upset about some things. He doesn't like the fact that he's been betrayed. He does not like the oppression of the wicked. And he does not like the fact that God has not answered him. He's saying, attend your ear to me. Why are you ignoring me? Oof. Out of bounds feelings, right? Can you relate to that? You ever felt those things? We want to stuff them down. David did something else. You know, maybe the problem is that we think they're so out of bounds in the first place. Maybe... Our feelings are like these reactions, and instead of judging ourselves for feeling a thing that we didn't choose to feel, we just need to say, ah, I feel this, and I don't know what to do with it, and take it to Jesus. You know what I mean? Because so many of us are like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. I feel mad. I shouldn't because God's, well, maybe you're just mad, and you just need to talk to him about that. Well, that's what David did. Watch this. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. I wonder if he maybe wrote this in italics. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you just like he sustained me. This was David's M.O., you read through the Psalms, you see every conceivable emotion that is there. And what does he do? He expresses that emotion before God. He didn't tiptoe around his pain. He cast his pain. He threw it up there. He said, here, take it. I don't know what to do with this ugliness. Just take it. Feels wrong, doesn't it? Doesn't that feel a little scary to our Western ears of like, do I dare? Do I dare tell God how I actually feel? Spoiler alert, he's God. He already knows how you feel. And sometimes I think he's just saying, would you, would you just tell me, you know? Well, I finally did that. And when I prayed my angry prayers, you know what didn't happen? Lightning. 
lightning did not strike me. In fact, you know what happened is he heard me and he drew close. And then we began to work through this anger and work through this fear and work through these pains. It was actually the beginning of my healing. Let me tell you, friends, I'm not suggesting that you get mad at God. No. I'm suggesting that if you are mad at God, tell him you're mad. If you're avoiding it, if you're giving him the silent treatment, then there's a big barrier between you and him. And I think he's saying, why don't you just talk to me about this thing? I'm not suggesting you have fears or doubts. I'm saying if you are experiencing fear and doubt, that is common to man. So just tell him. Bring it to him so you can actually sort it out. That was the beginning of my healing. But see, things went on and my son, Jack, he continued down the road of this thing called severe autism and he was mostly nonverbal. But then he would, he would learn a bunch of words, you know, and, and he would learn these new skills and he would be communicating and smiling at us. We're like, look, yes. And then, then the next day, it would all be gone again. We had to teach him the same sentence over and over again, hundreds of times, really. I don't know how many times we taught him the sentence, I want chips, please. So it was hard, and, and I, 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 it took me a long time to be able to work through that, and I realized I needed to be real with other people, just like I was being real with God. And, and I sat down uh, on the couch of the man who would become my, my boss. He was a senior pastor, uh, and, and he would check up on me. How are you doing? And he began to counsel me, and I would say, well, it's, yeah, you know, it's hard, but, you know, God's good, and I just got to, you know, and, and, and yep, and, and we're going to be fine. And he would say, okay. I mean, yeah, okay, you're jumping to the right answer, but you're not going through any of the process. <laughs> I always like to jump to the right answer. It's like your math teacher that says, show your work, you know? <laughs> like, show your work. Oh, yeah, okay. You're not experiencing any of the things you say you're experiencing. That's because you're not showing your work. You have to choose to feel the pain, he said. Whew. I knew he was right. And so, little by little... He drew the sadness out of me, and I learned how to cry. So I started processing things very publicly. I started, uh, I, I, they hired me even in the middle of that mess. <laughs> Such a wreck. And they just surrounded me and were determined to, to love me and my son and my family. And I would talk about Jack from the pulpit, and I would tell stories, and, and, uh, and they would read my blog posts, and, and they started to pursue him. They started to pursue us. They would see him in the hallway, and they would offer him a high five, and they would say hi to him. Even if he didn't say hi to them back, they were like, that's okay. They started to engage on his level, and they started to, to love us in new ways, like coming and saying, what can we do? Do you guys need a date night? Uh, how, do you, how are your, your other kids doing? Do they need maybe a movie? I'd love to take them to a movie. Does you, what can we do? And all of that, they, they, they just embraced us, and it was in that environment that we realized, man, we're, 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 not, we're not alone. We can, be, we, can, we can share our pain. The pinnacle of that was one day when Jack was dealing with uh, self-injury. I was like the, one of the hardest seasons ever. And I, and then I, you know, I, I had to preach a sermon and I basically just I just told them, this is what's happening, and this is really hard. And I'm bawling my eyes out on stage in front of our whole congregation. And two of our elders came, and they lifted my arms in the air as the whole congregation cried with me and prayed. You guys, 
it was one of the most beautiful things to be able to weep together. Today, in our, in our church family, we lean heavily on authenticity and vulnerability because we think that is where we heal and that's where we move forward. I know those can be buzzwords, but here's the way I see it. Vulnerability is an invitation to let Jesus and his people into your pain. You're saying, here's where it hurts. Come, I need you. I need you, Lord, and I need your people here. Now, what does any of this have to do with inclusion? Well, actually, it has a lot to do with inclusion, I think. My friend Hunter recently gave me this formula, and I I thought, wow, this is exactly right. This is exactly what I've experienced personally and with our congregation. It goes like this. When we get vulnerable with God and one another, he gives us comfort, and that comfort turns to compassion. Compassion for one another and compassion for others. When we bring our pain to God and one another, we find comfort and somehow it turns to love. When we're met with grace, our hearts are softened for our neighbors. And let me tell you guys, compassion is a magnet for all those who feel marginalized. There's nothing that draws marginalized people like compassion. There's nothing that draws any of us like compassion. But especially for those who are waiting on the outside, all those who have felt like misfits, all those who felt like they don't belong. Maybe they have a disability. Maybe they're a racial minority. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe they have a checkered past. Maybe they think their sins are somehow so bad that they've disqualified them from the grace of God. Whatever the case, they're drawn in by our compassion. When they see it, they come. They come. Inclusive communities, friends, are first communities that know how to weep and to weep together. Something happens. When we realize we're free to cry, we find ourselves free to celebrate too. You see, it's not all aching. There's joy to be found here because we no longer have to pretend. We no longer have to say, I'm fine. I'm just fine. No, you don't have to be fine. That's okay. If you're not fine, friends, it's okay. It's okay if you're not okay. It's a process. We walk together. We walk with Christ. We walk with one another. We start to be able to celebrate new joys and new victories we've never seen before. And we start to celebrate people who are not used to being celebrated, people like my son, Jack. My son, uh, there was was an event in our community, a 5K run for autism. There's always 5Ks in Eugene, Oregon. (laughs) If there's one thing we love, it's track. Uh, and uh, so they have this 5K fundraiser, and we said, you know what, let's, let's do a team. Let's get a team together for Jack. Let's, let, he had the nickname in the bedtime stories that we tell. His nickname is Flapjack, because he flaps his socks, and so we made stories around this and everything, and so we, let's do Team Flapjack. And we made a, a shirt with a, a logo, and we, we, we put T-shirts out, and, and we just invited, hey, anybody who wants to come support Jack, come. And we put the call out. Well, People showed up in mass, and my son, who's nonverbal, in the middle of all of this, we wondered, I wonder how much he understands. I wonder how much. So me and my friend Beth, we were taking a video, and here's, here's what we saw. Can we show, hey, can Jack, we show your shirt? Can we see your shirt? What does your shirt say? We're just going to undress you. <laughs> Ready? Can you hold Yay! up your shirt like that? Hold your shirt open. Your jacket. Yep. And now look at your dad's What does that smile. say? What does that say? 
I love that video so much. Isn't that great? And it's not just that he said the words well, it's that he looked and he saw all the people and he had this little grin like, they like me. That's what, that's what. All those people are here for me. And they were, but you know, they weren't just here for, for Jack. They were, they were there for me as well. They were there for our whole family. I ran that day. This is going to shock you with this physique, but I'm not much of a runner. And I had, I had to work, uh, you know, into to running. So I sort of trained for it, and, and, uh, and I was ready. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I've done this all right. I'm, I'm not going to be fast. I just want to just be able to finish it. And, uh, and as we start, we have the sea of blue. Do you have that picture? Uh, the sea of blue T-shirts. Look, I look at that. It's so awesome. Now, that was only about half of them. There, there's like 70 or 80 people that came running. Like, it was amazing. We overwhelmed all the other teams. They're like, who's Team Flapjack? We're like, exactly. And, uh, and so we're running, and, and, and these guys are our people, our church people. They, they decide they're not going to let me run by myself. So I get platooned with a bunch of young people. Which of the college students and high school students. And, uh, and they are running with, they're almost around me, right? We're taking little videos and they're encouraging me. They're like so excited to do it. They're like, come on, Jason, you can do it. I, I know you, oh, this is great, man. We're so, this is so awesome. I love this so much. And they're running with me the entire time. And we made it all the way through to the end. And, uh, and it was a glorious day. And this, this happened. Again, I checked my time and my pace per mile was, was a whole minute faster than it had ever been. Do you know why? Because I wasn't running alone. Friends, do you want to become a more inclusive community? I know you do. We all do. It starts here. It starts by sharing our pain with God and with one another. We weep together, and then we celebrate together, and then by God's grace, we run together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you see the hearts in this house. You see this beautiful congregation. You see the hurts. You see the hurts that so often get buried. God, you see the needs. Help us, Lord. Help each and every person in here to trust you with all of the ugly things, to trust you with all the emotions, with all the pains. I pray this congregation would be a family that does know what it's like to weep and celebrate together and that would radiate the compassion of Jesus Christ. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.